Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimant. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. And now, let's talk about protecting your assets. Hello, and welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I am a lucky Luciano, and on the other side of the mic is Brian, the angry man, Clayman. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9, where we're going to be talking about consulting. We've talked about it in the past, but we're going to get into a, a little different conversation about it this time around. Um, and talk about some of the challenges in the business and some of the things you should be looking for. But before we get into that, as usual, we're going to turn it over to Brian and let him vent a little, because I think he's going to be venting today on some of the things that are keeping him up at night and get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Brian, welcome. Well, thank you. First of all, I want to talk about the bad. You're bad. We're not going to talk about consulting. We're going to talk about consultants and the value they yes. can bring and why you really have to choose carefully. But that's the bad. The ugly is what's happening with the uh, allegations of Chinese meddling in Canadian uh, elections and the incredible work our prime minister has been doing leading the country, telling us that everything is okay. I read uh, an article in the National Post, Admiral Mark Norman uh, of the Canadian military, who is a brilliant man. He was second in charge of the Canadian military um, until he uh, found his demise at the hands of the Liberal government, but that's a whole other story. Allegations. Allegations, okay. just allegations. <laughs> Having said that, the government paid him a ton of money when they realized <laughs> that they had wronged him and solid his reputation. But basically what he said was, or what I, the position I took is, why would we believe Admiral Norman or CSIS or the intelligence community when they tell us that they're concerned with foreign actors uh, getting involved in Canadian elections and Canadian politics when our prime minister tells us everything is okay? Insert sarcasm here. That really annoys me. We have a world-class professional intelligence community here in Canada. We're also a member of the five eyes, and we have access to all sorts of credible intelligence from some of the greatest intelligence organizations in the world. Yet our drama teacher, prime minister, knows better than everyone else. That's the ugly, because I'm about to blow a gasket. With I'm detecting it. a lot of sarcasm in your comments today. I have to it's say. Certain sarcasm here. <laughs> and just... For those who aren't uh, aware, the Five Eyes are uh, an agreement, agreed upon intelligence community between the U.S., Canada, Britain, I think, Austra well, Australia and New Zealand, I think New is Zealand, the fifth correct. one, yeah. to share information just in case they weren't aware. Go on, I didn't want to cut you off. No, and well, you did, and you, you know, it's too late, but I just want to say what's interesting, you know, you might think why New Zealand? Uh, clearly, the British intelligence, American intelligence, world-class Australians are pretty good. But the Australians and New Zealands are really well-positioned in the East, and they have access to intelligence in a much more about Eastern, uh, 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 Asian-type uh, intelligence. 
in a better way than we would in Candace. So it's uh, recognized that one of the best intelligence alliances in the world. And it really, I find it incredulous that we have all these professionals uh, ringing the warning bell. The government says, or the prime minister says, there's nothing to worry about. And quite honestly, if you read the spin coming out of the government, out of Ottawa, is there more interested in the leaks coming out of CSIS than the fact yeah. that foreign power me is yeah. trying to influence Canadian politics and elections? Incredible. It's embarrassing. It's disgusting. It's uh, any. It is ugly. That's my ugly was the same thing. The Chinese interference, uh, the allegations of the the election uh, pandering to some of the 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 uh, MPs, uh, but also the police stations that have been set up. You know that's been a, it's a little older in the tooth now in the news, but still the fact that a, a foreign nation is operating those types of um, you know operations in your in your in your country, and you're okay with that, like. So my good, just to, just to tag on to that, is the fact that I think Trudeau, our illustrious leader, is hopefully finally uh, out, out wearing his his welcome to to the to the position. Hopefully, Canadians are finally getting on to this clown, and hopefully, we will be rid of him sooner rather than later. Because I think you know, as you were talking to earlier with with the intelligence community, I really think this guy's costing us something like our allies don't trust us how can you trust us 100 they may say that officially but if i was an american uh, you know intelligence guy i would be careful what i'm telling to, to my canadian counterparts because you know it's going to go back to this guy and who's he dealing with i don't know now we know that there's some chinese influence like it's just ridiculous uh you know the the, the perception he's trying to put out there that you know we got to look out we got to find out who the canadians are that let out the information not the chinese that's not the problem. It's the Canadians. CSIS, our, the people who are sworn to protect us, they're the problem. Like, it's completely messed up. You know, I read an op-ed uh, saying uh, this uh, uh, writer took the position, which was really interesting, that the Chinese-Canadian kerfuffle is probably greater under Trudeau, greater than the allegations Trump had with Russian interference, because the Russians never succeeded to the extent it appears that the Chinese have. Yeah. So we are just so naive. Uh, one other thing I just want to correct you about those police stations that you're so concerned about. The purpose of those police stations, and we have one here in Markham, I think there's Montreal, Vancouver, is to help Chinese residents or citizens in renew their driver's license. So yes. I don't know why you're so cynical. They bring value to the Chinese expat community that's here in, uh, I, in Canada. I will officially apologize to anyone I may have offended with that uh, circumstantial comment that I made, my sincere apologies on that, because you're right, I shouldn't be um, casping, uh, asp aspiration, I don't even know what the freaking term is in, in English. Uh, but, so yeah, that, that is really ugly. It's getting ugly, uh, that whole Chinese interference thing. And, and funny, you mentioned, I'm not gonna say the politician, former politician, but he's on a radio show. <laughs> and I don't know if you caught it this week. They were talking about the, the, the you know, the, the question was, do you think Canada is better positioned now to deal with the Chinese than they were a year or two ago when they had the two Michaels over in, uh, in, in China and they were dealing with that? And this ex-politician, in his wisdom, said, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're fully aligned now with the Americans. I'm like, this guy's either smoking a lot of the weed that we've legalized 
or he's just bullshitting. Like he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I'm sorry. If you think that our government is more aligned with the Americans right now than, than it is the Chinese, I just, I don't believe well, it. I don't believe and, it. And it's amazing. You know, we had uh, Melanie Jolie talking to a, a parliamentary committee, I think the other day. And, and to honestly look, the can look us in the eye, look into the camera and say that we've given a stern warning to the Chinese, you know, it's ridiculous. They are a superpower. They are probably the number two, perhaps soon to be the number one superpower in the world. Canada is a great country, but we are not a superpower. Uh, I don't think when we wag our fingers at uh, our adversaries, either the Russians or the Chinese, that they're going to lose a lot of sleep. So we live in a parallel universe, you, you know, like our politicians, uh, I think they got to get out in the world sometimes and realize, you know, we have some moral authority, but that's about all. And when you're dealing with adversaries that don't really work on the same moral compass we do, it doesn't work. Yeah. All they understand is strength and power. And the sooner we understand that, and I'm not saying we've got to militarize the country, but if the, we, the sooner we acknowledge or understand where our place is in the global power, uh, in the global, uh, in the power, we are not a power broker. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we got to sit silent, but we got to be realistic and act within and punch within our weight. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, to your point, we, I think we've lost, we had, we were punching above our weight for a long, long time with guys like Pearson and even Diefenbaker. Yeah. You go yeah. back to the 70s and 80s when Canadian peacekeepers, I mean, they took charge. They yeah. led the missions into many of those high-risk areas and, and they were respected for that. Now it's sort of like a lock, laughing stock. Like, are you kidding me? We're sending four tanks over to the Ukraine. Four yeah. tanks that happen to work. The other 50 don't work. They're in the shop. Yeah, I know. I know. That's just amazing. And we're there pontificating. Listen, yeah. we got to support, we got to do the things we got to do, but we got to understand what we can do and what we can't do. And I believe, you know, you talk about Ukraine. Everything we're doing and supporting Ukraine and doing the things we're doing are the right things, but realize that our two tanks are not going to make the difference. No, not at all. <laughs> all right. We could rant about this for a long, long time. It's anyway, let's get on to consultants. Speaking of consultants, and just so um people understand I, I i looked up the definition and it's it's a bad definition brian it just says one who gives professional advice that's it i looked at a number of them so that's me that's me <laughs> well and, let's and get into a lot of money <laughs> let's see if it is you <laughs> and i want to start with the premise of why we need a consultant why somebody would need a consultant um you know for me i would throw out there that obviously the expertise is the obvious reason you want somebody who who knows the business uh, the specific thing that you happen to be looking for whatever it is it doesn't have to be security but you know you hire a consultant because they're supposedly an expert um, and we can debate some of that as we get into this um, but I think the other important reason is that they provide a lot of times they give you that third party arm's length assessment or or input in terms of what you want to do and I think that's important for for companies especially when you get into compliance issues and things like that, to have a consultant who can come in and say, you know, he's got no skin in the game or she doesn't have any skin in the game. They can give you an honest opinion in terms of what you want to do or what you're doing and say you're either good or bad or, you know, that type of discussion. Yeah, well, I, I think you hit it right. I mean, uh, we talked about this before we started uh, the podcast. Uh, a consultant is just providing information. 
And he, if he's a good consultant, if he's an ethical consultant, he's not selling product. He's not getting any kickbacks. He doesn't really care what you buy. He's selling you information. He's agnostic from a 50,000 foot level down. Different than a service provider that's selling a product or a service. So I think that's the fundamental difference. If I'm selling a car and I'm selling Hondas, I'm going to get you into a Honda. I can't tell you to buy a, a Nissan because I don't sell Nissans and it's not my interest for you to buy a Nissan. As a consultant, I really don't care what camera system you get or what security guard company you, you, you retain. As long as they're meeting a certain standard and the consultant gives you information that the client may or may not know. There's really, in my experience, two types of clients out there. There's those that know, actually three types. There's those that know, there's those that think they know, and there's those that don't know. A consultant can bring maximum value to those that uh, don't know. They don't have that expertise, so they hire or they rent out that expertise. Those that think they know, we could bring value to, but the problem with those type of clients is they think they know. They think they're better than the consultant. And really, I tell clients like that is, if you don't believe that I could bring you value, if you think you know better, and it's very possible you do, then don't waste your money on a consultant. So that's sort of the difference that I see between a consultant. We're a provider. We're a service provider. The service we're providing is information different than the other traditional security service providers, which are either technology, manpower, cyber information. Yeah, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider those consultants. Let me put it this way. If I work for... Uh, technology company and I come to you and you approach me to give you advice on that, then I'm an expert on that technology, but I wouldn't consider myself a, 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 a consultant. I consider myself a salesman. Mm -hmm. A consultant to me is somebody who's separate from, you know, to your point, I don't sell a specific product. I talk about the idea and what the technology can do. And then you go out and source, uh, you know, a provider that can deliver that for you. But I think that's an important distinction because I think one way you really are a salesperson. If I'm working for that technology, to your point, I'm only going to tell you what that technology can deliver and what I can sell you. I'm not going to really talk to you about all the other things that you should be considering. Yeah, I mean, as consultant is just one part of that security risk management spectrum, yeah. okay? And each part is important, but it's important that the consumer or the person that uses consulting services or buys security risk management services understands that a person that sells guards, okay, they're in the business, they're a for-profit business, and they make their money by selling you guards. And if you call up and you say to company A that I need 10 guards, and company A comes down and if they have the expertise to assess what your issues are, and they realize you don't really need 10 guards, what you need really is five cameras and maybe uh, uh, an access control system, that guard company isn't going to tell you, chances are that you don't need guards because they're in the business of selling guards. And that doesn't make them bad. What it means though, is the people that are looking at services have to understand what each of the different types of service providers provide. And I must say with consultants, my definition of consultants um, is a bit different than yours. In many respects- I got it out of the book, it's online. I didn't make it up. Well, okay, well, the book is wrong yet once again. <laughs> okay, See, Webster's. <laughs> basically, the vast majority of consultants, it appears to me, are people that have lost their job and they now become consultants. Everyone that's unemployed 
is a consultant because it looks yes. good on the resume. Yep. And I think it's really important when you're looking at people that are providing guards or people that are providing consultant services, is the guy providing guards working out of his mother's basement or is he vested in the business? And is the consultant just in between jobs or is that what he or she does? And I think that's an important distinction as well. well. Yeah, you're getting into my next big chunk here and it's what to look for when you're looking for those for, the, for your consultant. And, and so some of the things you've already touched on, but you obviously want the expertise in the area of what you're trying to achieve. Um, again, it doesn't, you know, we're talking about security here, but consultants do everything. There's consultants in every every field. So understanding the expertise you're looking for is part of the, the first thing to look for. But secondly, references, right? To your point, these guys, everyone, this is part of the challenge with the business is that anybody can set up a shop and call themselves a consultant. There's no real governing body that says, you know, you are, or you're not. So you got to check the references, you got to check their credentials, right? Are, do they really have the paperwork that, you know, just like when you're, you're applying for a job on a resume yeah. and how many people rely on those things, right? We all know that they, 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 they inflate some of their achievements. So you want to check their credentials. Um, and those are the, the main three, but I think the other uh, important aspects for, uh, for looking for what you're looking for when you're looking for a consultant is first of all, um, their style and their character, and, and, you know, are they able to deliver what you're asking them to deliver in a convincing fashion? Because at the end of the day, they got to sell that, you got to sell that to the uh, higher ups that, that uh, you know, they know what they're talking about and that they can trust them. And then the other thing I'm going to throw back to you is when you're looking for the consultant, as an, you know, you're, you are one, but what's the difference or what's the preference or what should be the underlying motivation to, to figure out, do I need a consultant who's an expert on a single issue who knows it very well? Or is it better to have a consultant who could speak to a number of different things on a topic? So and I'll give you an example. You talked about cameras. Do I need a consultant? Usually, you know, when we deal with some of those in, 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 the, in the business, who are specific to access control or cameras, they know them inside and out and they'll design and deliver you that system? Or is it better for me to approach someone more like yourself who's a generalist who can speak to each of the components at a higher level and bring and build a better, more inclusive picture for you, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does. I, I, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, myself, uh, I am a generalist and I look at consulting from the point of view that I used to be a senior security leader for several big companies. So I know I'm not an expert in any particular area, but I know enough in how to put a program together. Uh, one of the things we do with our firm is that uh, we have the expertise in many different areas of security risk management. So from security design to emergency management to uh, threat risk assessments and so on and so on. So what a good consultant should be able to do is they need to know what their limitations are. They need to know what they know and what they're good at and what they're not. Okay, so for example, if you come to me and you have uh, issues in the area of cyber security, I'm really not the person to help you. I've got ideas, but I'm, you know, I can't, I don't have the expertise that I can solve your problem and then look you in and bill you for that. On the other hand, if you need to do a threat risk assessment or put together an emergency management plan, we have that bench strength. We have that expertise. Um, in terms of the expertise a consultant needs, uh, you, you know, it depends what the client's looking for. Because again, I said the three types of clients, those that know, those that think they know, and those that don't know. For those that know, 
And I was that type of a client when I was in a private sector, working for a big company. I would use a consultant, not because I really didn't know, but I just didn't have the time to put together the strategy. So I needed that consultant to execute on my vision. And in that case, you don't necessarily need an expert. You need a generalist to execute on the vision. On the other hand, there were times that I was putting together a new security system or access control system. I need a consultant that understood uh, engineering design and had that uh, background, that specific background to bring value to me. So it depends on what the application is. And I think you alluded to, you know, how do you know who the right consultant is? And what I try to do for clients is I bring it down to the bottom line and make it really simple. If you need a consultant, all you need to know is to call me and we will give you what you need because we are the best out there. There's no, when are you going to laugh or say something? I'm, are you even listening to me? This was insert sarcasm here. Anyways, move on. Okay, all right, turn it over to me. <laughs> that was, that was okay, a problem. Turn it over. No. So essentially what I was saying is that uh, to your point and to my point, consultants, uh, the only skin in the game they have is to give guidance to the client so they can make an informed decision. It's not the consultant's role to make the decision for the client. It's to educate the client so that they can make a decision that helps address what the need they're faced with. Unlike a service provider, be it technology or services, they're trying to sell a product. My product is information. And you either accept it or don't. And, you know, I often have clients that uh, we agree to disagree, but they still think there is value because I brought a different point of view, but they had to make the decision and they didn't go forward with the recommendation. That's fair also. That's value for money spent as well. Yeah. And, and on value, I'm going to continue down my little uh, agenda here to talk about some of the challenges that I think are uh, creating um, problems for the industry. And, and, and I think for people looking for, for good consultants, it's becoming a little more difficult because again, I said anybody can, can become a consultant. So it really is on the client to do some research and, and dig up, you know, are they, do they have the right credentials? But I think on some level, it's also can becoming- Just interrupt for a second. Credentials are important, but equal to that, I think, is experience. Experience, yep. Absolutely. But I know a lot of guys that are really book smart and they have all sorts of yep. designations, but they couldn't, you know, fight their way out of a paper bag. So yep. I think, you know, education is really, really important, but it's coupled with experience. Yeah, good point. I, I will give you that point without any uh, grief because it's it's, <laughs> it's well, 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 well taken. Uh, but I think. One of the things that's happening, or I sense is happening, may be happening for, for, for some time now, but certainly in the last few months, is, is the, the, the negative connotations that are, that are being associated with consulting as a business. When you have things, especially when it's, it's mostly in the public sector, and it's been in the news a lot lately, where you know public sector employees get hired for a certain role, and more and more, they just contract it out to consultants who happen to be you know, nepotism going on or friends of theirs or retired people who left and now, they, now they're now they making a second income on the side, basically viewing it as a retirement trough for them. Um, and we talk about, I think it's McKenzie. Is that the one that, uh, the, the latest one with the federal Canadian government where they, they got caught giving them like a hundred million dollars extra in, in overcharges and things like that? Yeah. Are you, did you hear no, about that one? No, I'm not. Jesus I, I Christ, I gotta about... do some research while you're responding to the answer. 
<laughs> I, I haven't heard about that one, but I have heard uh, often about government uh, uh, with uh, paying ridiculous amounts of money for consulting services that they're not going to do anything about. And there is always allegations or insinuations of uh, uh, nepotism and, and, and um, uh, uh, you know, improper procurement. Uh, well, try, oh, here we are. Yeah, it's McKinsey contracts, right? So check it out. <laughs> and that was in, all over the news last week because now there's allegations of, you know, overcharging. And, and I was reading everything on China, so I'm sorry I missed it. Oh, that. my God, Jesus Christ. So there you are. You're a single-issue expert <laughs> looking okay. at, at a bunch of things. But here's a, here's a large, I think they're top three in the world in terms of consultants, consulting firms out there. And spending tons of making tons of money now they get caught with their pants down and it just it just casts a negative you know connotation on the business on the job the value proposition for a consultant is well before i go back to that when you were a vp of security for a large real estate company and i too downtown uh you know based on my experience and your experience and our, our colleagues in the industry at senior levels we didn't use consultants a lot because we did a lot of that stuff in-house, okay? But the value proposition of a consultant is that you can get an, someone with a particular area of expertise or experience and not have to hire him, pay him yeah. for the whole year. You just pay as you go type thing. That's really where the value is. Yeah. The example you gave where we had that big consulting firm come in to do that risk assessment that was completely unnecessary. That was just a game of optics. And it was, uh, it truly was a political play at some very high levels in the city. What that if they, the report they got from this consulting company, which was one of the largest in the world, because it had their signature, had value more so than had you written it or I wrote it. And quite honestly, our internal assessments were a lot more robust than right. what they provided. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's not, and that's one example of many. I remember we had another high-end friggin' uh, consulting firm come in because of their connections at the higher levels of the company, brought in to do threat risk assessments on all our buildings, and and our initial meeting, the guy took first of all the guy didn't work for them. They're usually subcontracted, right? Those those big organizations oh, yeah. do not have security professionals in house oh. full time. Oh. They they contract guys like you and me to do the work. And they don't even do a good job of that because this guy sat down at the table, spent more time telling me about all his escapades in Afghanistan and all these high-risk areas, didn't do any work in terms of our buildings and what he was there to do. Like he had no freaking clue. And so I can't imagine how much they were paying him, but just another example of poor research, poor background checks, poor understanding of what you were hiring them there to do. And basically just to your point, get those those initials, those names on, on the paper to say, hey, we've reviewed it, that's our opinion. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important, and this often is missed, okay, a consultant is not going to do the work for you. The consultant's role is to sort of get the information out of you and put it in a format that you can utilize and bring value. So case in point, I go into a company to help them with an RFP, let's say, or if I go into a company to do a threat risk assessment, I need them to tell me what their pain points are, what their experiences are, what they're concerned about. Because if we don't have that dialogue, okay, I can't pr provide value to them at the end of the day. So a lot of clients really look to a consultant and say, do this for me, I've got a problem, but I don't have time to work with you. 
you're not going to get value or maximum value at the end of the day because I can tell you what I think, but no one knows your business better than you. And that was in the example you've given with a lot of these large companies and the story you just talked about, the consultant telling you about the stuff he did around the world in Afghanistan, is the consultants are really not uh, ferreting the information out of the information sources and then massaging it to, uh, into a finished product that's going to address the need. It goes back to what I said earlier, that there are all types of consultants. And really, you had said there's no regulatory oversight of consultants. So literally anyone can say they're yeah. a consultant, get a website, and they're a consultant. It's a buyer beware universe. But you've got to you know, not only make sure they got the training, the experience, and the credentials, you've got to look at what they've done and how they've done it. And you've got to assess early on in the mandate, okay, uh, what value, what are they bringing to the table? And that's another point, leads to another point I wanted to bring up. It is really, really important, both for the consultant and for the client, to have a very, very descriptive uh, contract or an agreement. Yeah. One of the things that we do is when we deal with the client, if the client doesn't know exactly what they want, a consultant's job is to manage expectation and the client's expectation. And we clearly articulate what the deliverables are. And we go down into uh, 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 minuscule proportions of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Because in that way, there's not going to be any misunderstanding at the end of the mandate. And we might say, you know, we're clearly going to say what's in scope and what's out of scope. Clients, most clients, it amazes me when they enter into contracts, it just says you will provide consulting services or you'll provide security guards or you will give me an access control system. But there's no definition in terms of what it is uh, uh, that you're getting for that $50,000 or $25,000 or $100,000. So it really truly is uh, a buyer beware market. And I would tell consumers of consulting services, look at the agreement or look at the proposal that you get from the consultant. That's going to tell you a lot about what the finished product is going to look like. Is it just about a sending an invoice or is there real value for the money? And are you going to be able to demonstrate or uh, 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 know exactly what it is that you're paying for at the end of the assignment? Yeah. And that, that's not necessarily reflected in a 300 page report either. Like it sh no. that shouldn't be your barometer of a good work. It could be a 300 page useless piece of paper that gets stored and never looked at again. Those, those to me were the worst like, well, it, that, you know, I had told you about this. Uh, we just did a big project, which resulted in, a, I think, a 250-page report. Yeah. However, there was an eight-page executive yeah. summary, and that's all the client needed. Everything else was just the uh, the background, or it was the documentation in case we get into trouble or the client got into trouble down the road. It really was, we developed a strategy. We told them what they had to do to move from a future state, I'm sorry, the current state, of uh, disruption to future state where uh, security risk is properly managed. We gave them strategic recommendations. We gave them uh, 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 more granular recommendations or, or area recommendations. The the, uh, the the hundreds of pages, okay, the analysis was really to back up everything else. So you're right. A lot of consultants at the end of the day are going to either give you 300 pages and say, look what I did for you. Or on the other hand, the example we talked about earlier, give you a two-page PowerPoint and say, here's your report and give me $100,000 for the work. Yeah. It really is, you've got to know what you're looking for and you got to make sure you can measure that you're getting it. It's that really means... managing expectations. They have to manage uh, uh, us. So I know the parameter. Yeah. 
the consultant has to manage the client. And I've learned from a lot of good consultants from people I respect. And with deliverables, they also put what's excluded. And often when you have that discussion during a proposal phase, you realize, well, that shouldn't be excluded. I yeah. need that. You say, okay, then we'll factor that into the proposal. So it really comes back to, like, it's the same mindset as, as doing an RFP for, for any other service. You shouldn't just be picking, you know, Brian Clayman because you know Brian Clayman. You should have an RFP process. Of, it doesn't have to be as in-depth, but you should be, understand what your objective is. What, what are you, why are you hiring this, this consultant? What are they going to achieve for you? And lay that out so that you know what type of expertise you're going to seek out. Right. And then you got to do your research, do those check reference checks to make sure that they are who they are. And then I would say again, do the interview just like you would in RFP. You interview your, your contractors, you interview your consultants, get a feel for who they are and what type of work they do. Are they going to jive with your culture? Like that's the other thing. Just because you're a consultant doesn't mean that you're that you're going to work well with that particular company. Depends. Each consultant has their own personality, just like contractors have their own personality. You want to make sure you get the right contractor who's going to fit your business culture, your business objective. Otherwise, you're still going to have conflict and potential, um, you know, uh, points of of, of 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 conflict in terms of what they're going to deliver to you. So, you know, just to maybe encapsulate it better in, in as an example, if if I'm an aggressive consultant, aggressive in the sense that I believe in, uh, you know, police type of security, that I'm going to I'm going to recommend to you those types of solutions. And you may be a client like a IT company, which is very touchy-feely. That's not the consultant you probably want. You probably want a consultant who's more focused towards customer service. So, so that's what I'm sort of trying to get at with, with that, with that well, explanation. Before you address that, I just want to uh, mention something that uh, you said that really angered me. As the sponsor of this podcast, and you said just because you know Brian Clayman, you shouldn't necessarily go to Brian Clayman. Sort of take umbrage with that, but I think I know where you're going. Uh, I, I think what I do, and I think a lot of consultants and my colleagues in the industry do, is we really, you know, try and get inside the client's head and try and figure out what they're looking for. And case in point would be with RFPs, because that's sort of a simple type assignment. When, when I'm hired to do an RFP for security guards, I know what a security program should look like. But I have to ask myself, does the, has a client hired me to rebuild their security program in my vision, with, with, with my mindset? Or does the client want me just to get them a security guard uh, a contract? And they don't really care about quality or training. They just want a low-cost uh, uh, solution to a problem they have. Because... If I just do what I think they need and don't address what they truly need, I am not bringing value. So to your point, as part of the interview process, you've got to make sure that the client understand what's important to you. Because yeah. if the consultant's professional, he knows what optim the optimal outcome will be, but you may not be looking for an optimal outcome. Like if, if you came to me and I'm selling cars, and you say you want a real luxurious car and I'll put you into a Bentley or into a Porsche. But I realize, no, you want the top of the line Nissan. I don't bring you value if I tell you you need a Bentley because you only wanted Nissan. You didn't want the entry level. You wanted the top. Same thing with the consultant. There's got to be that connection. And there's got to be honest discussion. I am just amazed so many times when I start a project with a client 
and they just say, yeah, just tell us what we need or do a threat risk assessment. And they don't understand what that entails. And, and, and I've learned the hard way that I do the uh, the project and they say, well, that's not what I was looking for. And quite honestly, in those cases, it was my fault because I didn't clearly walk them through the process. And you learn over time. You know, yeah. people don't know what they don't know. I don't know about marketing. I don't know about property management, but I do know about security risk management. You got to have those discussions. Yeah. And, and I know, like you mentioned, the client needs to know, but the the client, the client, sorry, the consultant, just as much, you've got to find the consultant, to your point, is honest and transparent, because too many of them also do exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, what, is the, what does the client want? And they'll just give them whatever they want to keep the business or to get the business, but they're not doing them any service or, you know, justice by, by, by catering to what they think they want. Like, part of your job as the consultant is to say you're wrong. Like, yeah. that's not the way you got to go. You got to go this way. I, I but think there's that, not a lot of them willing to do that. I think that's important because you're right. People, you know, we're all in business to make money. You know, we all have bills to pay. But the value a consultant brings is not to say, yes, you're right when you're wrong, to say, look, I don't think you're making the right decision. But as long as you understand that and you're willing yeah. to accept that risk, then I've done my job. You know, yeah. we, again, I think, you know, the client, we did a client, we, uh, gave them some strategic recommendations and some of them they didn't agree with. And we said, it's okay to, we can agree to disagree, but we cannot sign off on the fact that you're not going to do a recommendation number one, unless you acknowledge that you understand the associated risk. That's the value a consultant is going to bring. It's not going to necessarily to uh, validate your thoughts. It's not necessarily to agree hundred percent with you. It's that you're hiring him because you believe in his or her experience and you value their opinion a consultant that is scared to give you their opinion and not willing to have a dialogue is not the consultant that you should be engaging yeah that good that's an excellent uh, point and uh, and a good uh, close to to the to the session because uh, i think it encapsulates what we're trying to get at that's an excellent point <laughs> a good way to end this session i was going to go off on another tangent but i lost my thoughts. So I'm going to end it there, Brian, unless you've got anything else to say. But I think the important thing uh, for me is you need to understand who you're hiring because I, you just nailed that at the end. It's an opinion, right? Every consultant, it's like Clint Eastwood's movie, right? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. And the same thing our consultants. Depending on the one you hire, that's the opinion you're going to get. So make sure you do your homework that they're going to, you know, they're the type of person or the, the they've got the view that you want because what they produce is going to reflect that. And if, if, if you're hiring somebody who, again, I go back to that whole uh, a soft consultant, more touchy-feely, that's what you're going to get. And if that's not what you're looking for, then you got to seek out the consultant that at least has the same or shares the same more aggressive or more proactive or whatever it is that you're looking for. They have to align. Otherwise, you're going to get a conflicting uh, feedback or report response. Yeah, I, I'll just end off by saying a consultant is just one of many tools in the toolbox. The only, in an area of security risk management, again, as I said, you've got the consultant, you've got the service providers of technology and of uh, of uh, manpower and all the things that make up the security risk management program. But the only thing I'd say, uh, the consultant is no more important than any of the others, but the consultant is where the journey starts. Because if you don't know where you're going, you can't get there. And the consultant sort of sets the path so that the other experts, the other service providers could come in and bring value. But unless you have a holistic piece of program, 
and that's really fundamentally what the consultant does, then you're not going to be, you're not going to have a successful outcome. Yeah. He's like a quarterback or the coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback, quite honestly, without a quarterback, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You don't have the linebackers and you don't have the receivers. You're still not going to win it. Yeah. So they're all important, but there's an order of magnitude. He calls the play. He tells That's you which right. way you're going to go. Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. That's the end of that one. Um... <laughs> well, we, we, we are looking at several potential guests for our next one. There is one coming up in the hopper, and it might be the next one. Uh, Jim Adamson from the Canada's 911 ride. He's the vice president of the Ontario ride. And uh, the Canada's 911 ride is a charity that supports uh, the families of fallen emergency service workers, uh, children, children that have been the victim of violent crime, and also the Mikey Network, whose mission is to put public access defibrillators in public space across Canada to help save lives. So Jim's going to talk to us about the work the foundation does and how our listeners can help in this important endeavor. So if not the next uh, podcast, one afterwards, Jim's going to join us. And we've been working with several interesting uh, guests uh, for future uh, podcasts. We've got a call into Donald Trump's office. He hasn't (laughs) got back to us yet. And we've got the the, uh, premier of China. I want to talk to him about what's happening here, but we still haven't gotten a call yet. But our producers are working on that. I worry about the Trump one because he doesn't say no to anybody. So if he doesn't come on our show, what does that tell That's not good. The ratings aren't there. Joe, Joe Rogan has nothing to worry about. Is that what you're saying? But yeah, no, the 911 one should be good. It's a, it's a little different take because we're not going to be talking specifically about security, but it is, you know, an offshoot of, uh, of the business and an important one because unfortunately the business that we're in, people get hurt. Um, and things go south sometimes, and it's good to have organizations like the 911 ride uh, helping those in need get back on their feet and uh, you know live out life as best they can given the tragic circumstances that sometimes follow our industry. So with that, I'm going to sign off, and uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Have a good one, everyone. Stay safe. That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets.